All right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? How you doing tonight? Oh, come on, Point. Come on, high school. I know you can do better than that. How's everybody doing tonight? That's right. That's awesome. Well, hey, I'm excited to be here. We're going to get right to it because I believe that God has something special prepared for each one of you tonight. I believe that the word that we're going to talk about tonight is something that's going to hit home for all of us. But before we do that, I just want to welcome, if this is your first time here, man, welcome to The Point. We're excited that you're here. Right, So far we've been talking about the Bible and, and the series that we've been going through has, it has been about, you know, kind of the stories of the Bible and talking through the Old Testament and just kind of going along with the, uh, the Bible mini-series that was shown on the History Channel. And so... Uh, welcome, and we hope you have a great time. Come get to know a couple of the leaders. Man, we're excited that you're here. Um, summer's almost done, man. Can you believe it? Uh, I know. Ooh, ooh, sorry, sorry. Ugh, a little touchy there. Sorry. But hey, how many of you are going to camp next week? That's right. Camp is going to be awesome. If you're not going to, hey, if you're not going to camp, I hope you can come next week because next week we're going to have some awesome worship. Uh, we have a pastor from our staff here at 12 Stone come to preach, uh, and it's going to be just a great time for you. So do not miss out on, on the point next week if you're not going to camp. So Derek mentioned last week that today we're going to kind of finish the Bible series, and it's going to be the last part of, of what we've been talking about. And tonight's very special, um, and, and tonight we're going to talk about something different, not the Old Testament. But the reality is we're actually going to talk about the Old Testament. So we're kind of not, but we are going to talk about the Old Testament. In fact, today we're going to talk about what brings the whole Bible together. Because many of us in here, we, ha we have asked some of these questions. You've either asked, why is the Old Testament important? Or you probably asked, which testament? Is the Old Testament or the New Testament? Which one is more important? Or why do we have two testaments? Or why is the Bible important? Or why should I read the Old Testament? Or why should I read the New Testament? And many of us have asked questions like that, and tonight I pray and I hope that what we talk about answers some, if not all, of those questions. Because here's the truth. The Bible is one story. The Bible is not, well, here's the Old Testament, that's one story, and here's the New Testament, that's another story. I want you to listen very closely to what we're going to talk about tonight. Because what we're going to do is we're actually going to go back and we're going to revisit some of the stories that we've talked about. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about Noah, we're going to talk about Abraham, we're going to talk about Moses, and we're going to talk about David. And my goal for tonight is I'm going to show you in each one of those four stories how Jesus was present in each moment. Because a lot of us, we believe, oh, Jesus doesn't come into, into the story until the New Testament, right? Because the whole, the whole Old Testament, Jesus is not mentioned until Matthew. That's when Jesus comes into play. But the truth is, and I want you to hear this, Jesus is in the whole Bible. In fact, Jesus was present when Noah was building the ark. Jesus was present when Eve and Adam and Eve were made by God. Jesus was present during Moses and during the exile. Jesus was present during the kingship, during David and Solomon and Saul. Jesus was present during the, the story of Daniel, like Austin talked about last week. Jesus was present throughout the whole Bible. And tonight, I'm going to give you a couple of examples from each story because the, the Old Testament tells us that God made a couple covenants. Covenants are known as promises. Okay, God made promises with man. And I'm going to show you how within each one of those covenants, there were four covenants in the Old Testament, four promises between God and man. And in each covenant, in each promise, Jesus was present. And the whole story of the Bible revolves around Jesus. And the whole story of the Bible is a story of redemption and a story of how you and I and Abraham and Moses, we couldn't do what Jesus could do. 
So we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that, I, I want to I challenge you with something, okay? How many of you have ever read something and you've read it and then you kind of like leave it alone or you've seen something and then you don't see it again and then you come back to it, you see it again like a movie or you read the book again and you're like, man, I found some things that I, I missed. Like you, you know what I'm talking about? Like you read something, then you read it again. You're like, man, how did I not notice that in the first place, right? All right, well, I want you to check out this video, okay, and then we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to show you something that's not completely legal. Okay, all right, okay, so how many of you saw what changed? I mean, most of, what, what changed in the video? What changed? Uh, just shout it out, just shout it out, just watch out. The hat, okay, most of us, most of us saw, what, what is the one major thing that we saw, the what? The money, the money changed. But here's the thing, when you look closely, a lot changed, check this out. Amazing, but did you happen to notice all the things that have changed? since the scene began. Action. I'm going to show you something that's not completely legal. Go! Clear. While we held your attention on the money, the table turned to a stool. Go! Apollo magically got a new hat and handkerchief and all the posters and cards in the background changed. Your brain just played a trick on you. We all think we're paying close attention to the world around us. But strange as it may sound, this is just an illusion. We all think we're playing, co play paying close attention to the world around us. In fact, we read the Old Testament and we think that we understand the stories of the Old Testament. We think just because we understand that Noah built an ark and that he, God saved him and, and a bunch of animals and his family that we get the whole point of the story. But the truth is, is you got to look closely to see everything that's going on. And that's what I wanted to show you that video is that there was a lot of things changing. There were a lot of things going on. So tonight we're going to go back to these four stories and we're going to talk about how, what, how Jesus was present. We're going to talk about these stories. And we're, I'm going to give you a different point of view, if you want to call it that, on the, on the stories of the Old Testament. And in one way or another, here's what I want you to get. Each of these stories foreshadow Jesus. And each of these stories refer to the ministry and to the life of Jesus Christ. So in your notes, there are a bunch of notes on your, on your uh, program sheets right there. There's a lot of different verses for each covenant, and this is going to guide us. And, and you'll, notice that, you'll notice that these verses are prophecies or setups for the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at each covenant, and in the end, I'm going to show you the reality. There were five covenants in the Bible. There's the, the four covenants in the Old Testament, and then the last covenant is in the New Testament. So I'm going to talk about the four promises in the Old Testament, and then we're going to see how all four of those 
reveal the ultimate covenant, the ultimate promise between man and God. So let's start with Noah. Cool? You know the story of Noah, right? God tells Noah, hey, listen, I'm going to destroy all of mankind because everyone's been sinful and everyone's been just wicked and everyone's been horrible. And I'm going to go ahead and send a flood to destroy mankind. But because you have been faithful, God tells Noah, because of your faith and because of your obedience, I want you to build an ark for me. And I want you to take seven of each animal, as Derek taught us uh, when we started this series. And I want you to put them onto this ark. And I want you to take you and your family, your sons, your, your daughters-in-laws and whatever. And I want you to put them all in the ark. And I want you to, to just go and I'm going to save you and your family. But the rest of the earth is going to die in this flood. Now, we all know the story. We all know the principle in that. We all know that Noah obeyed and Noah was faithful. That's right. But I want to look at something specifically. In the middle of all of this, Noah, at the end of it all, decided to build, a, build a, an altar, if you want to call it that. Genesis 8.20, it's in your notes, tells us that when the flood was done, Noah chose to build an altar and offered God burnt offerings. Now, here's the, here's the significance in that. When Noah was offering God these burnt offerings, he was offering it as a payment. He was saying, God, here's my payment for forgiving me for my sins. So literally, Noah did this so that Jesus could ultimately, or so that God could ultimately forgive him. And after seeing that he destroyed all, my, all mankind, God made a covenant with Noah. And this is at, the, at this moment that God says, I will never destroy humanity again. Despite their sinful ways. And so we ask, why is this important? Why is the fact that Noah built a, an altar with burnt offerings, why is that important? Well, you see, Noah was given these burnt offerings as a payment for his sins and the sins of mankind. He needed some form of payment that would lead to his forgiveness. And this foreshadows the death of Christ for sins and how he became the payment for our sins. You see, Jesus paid the price for us. We don't have to go and offer sacrifices and, and offer these payments and burn things so that we can say, hey, God, forgive us. Here's a burnt offering. We don't have to do that. You see, the price was paid at the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we didn't have to pay the price. Jesus became the payment for our sins, the payment that Noah tried to pay with these burnt offerings. And so that's how this story foreshadows Jesus. You see, lit literally, this foreshadows how Christ paid the price. And it shows us that God's grace for us frees us from our payment to sin. And so it's in your notes. God's answer, answer to sin is a covenant of grace. Grace. Grace that sets us free. Grace that forgives. Grace that's, that gives us another chance. That's the point of Noah. That's how Noah foreshadows Jesus. You see, the answer of grace began in Noah. God was graceful to Noah. But here's the thing. The covenant of grace was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. God's ultimate show of grace was at Jesus when he died on the cross. So that's Noah. That's the covenant of Noah. So the next covenant is the covenant of Abraham. And there's a lot of notes for you to uh, check out there. I'm going to touch a couple of things and we'll move on. After Noah, we have the story of Abraham. And if you remember, Abraham means the father of nations. Here's the cool thing. The story is so critical in understanding the New Testament because God promises Abraham a seed, right? In Genesis 28, 
18, God says that he will give mankind a seed, a seed, a, a baby, a, a man, a boy, right? And notice it's singular. It doesn't say, Abraham, I'm going to give you seeds. God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a seed, a seed that's going to save the world. Here's the cool thing. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.16, he specifically quotes this verse and tells us that the seed that God promised Abraham was Jesus Christ. Imagine the pressure that Abraham felt, right? Like, hey, listen, out of you, out of your line, the Savior of the world is going to be born. Hey, no pressure, right? Whatever, you're cool, right? And, and, and he, that's what God was telling Abraham. Hey, listen, out of your line, out of your family, the Savior of this world was going to be born. And in Galatians, the Apostle Paul tells us, guess what? The Savior of the born was, was born out of the line of Abraham. And that's how we know that the story of Abraham foreshadows Jesus. But there are other stories. The story of the Tower of Babel. How many of you know that story? Raise your hand if you know that story. Okay, if you don't know it, here's the basic idea of it, right? It, there was a one point in, in, in humanity when everybody spoke one language. I'm going to assume it was Spanish because when I read the story for the first time, it was in Spanish. Uh, it was Spanish Bible. So everybody spoke one language, right? And so they were trying to get to heaven. And literally, they all decided at one time, we're going to build one tower that's going to take us to heaven. But here's the thing. They wanted to build a tower so that they can feel good about themselves. They didn't want to build a tower so that they can glorify God. They wanted to build a tower to show how good they were at building things. And that was all they wanted. And guess what? God destroyed that plan. God literally made all of them speak different languages so that none of them would understand each other. Right? So God just made all these people. And somebody was like, ah, and no one knows what they're talking. Right? Like you're speaking Spanish. I don't understand because you're speaking French. And now you're speaking English. And now you're speaking Mandarin. And, and I don't know what else. I can't name any other tongues right now. Whatever. And, um, and so they all spoke different language. But here's the key. Here's what I want you to understand. It was at this moment that God tells us. You cannot save yourself. You try to put all your hope and all your faith on your own strength. That's not going to save you. God shows us there that the only way that we can have true hope, the only way that we can truly save ourselves, the only way that we can truly reach God is not by us building things. It's not by us doing our own work. It's by us entering into a relationship with God. It's by us entering into a relationship with Jesus. The people try to build that tower so they can be proud of themselves. God said, no, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to destroy your plan, and I'm going to make you speak different languages. And that's what that Bible tells us. It foreshadows to the fact that the only way we can get to God, in the New Testament it says there's only one way to the Father. No one can come except through me, says Jesus. There's only one way that we can reach heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, not through our own strength. And that's what that story is telling us. Now, the biggest reference to Christ in Abraham's storyline is shown when God commands him. He says, hey, hey, Abraham. So not only out of your family is the Savior of the world going uh, to be born, but now I want you to take your actual son, Isaac, whom you waited years and years to be born. I want you to take him to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to go and sacrifice him. And what does Abraham do? Abraham says, all right, God, whatever. You're the man, so I'll go and obey like, that takes guts. Like, hey, go kill your son. Sure, why not? You know, like, all right, whatever. Can you imagine the conversation that happened there? And so Abraham does this. And it was at that moment that he, the Bible tells us that he was about to uh, uh, sacrifice his son that God says, stop. 
and he gave him a sheep, and he put the sheep, and he sacrificed the sheep. Here's the cool thing. Years later, it would be on Mount Zion where one man would be sacrificed for all of us. The son from the line of Abraham, Jesus, was sacrificed on Mount Zion. Just like Isaac was going to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah, Jesus was sacrificed on Mount Zion. And just like Isaac was from the line of Abraham, Jesus was also from the line of Abraham. And you see how it foreshadows how God would say, hey, you know what? Right now you're sacrificing people and right now you're sacrificing animals. But one day, one day, the ultimate sacrifice is going to happen. And that's going to be my son for the sins of mankind and for the sins of all of us. And that's how Abraham foreshadows. You see, this is a messianic prophecy, a prophecy about the Messiah that foreshadows how Christ would become the sacrifice for our sins and pay the price so that we will not suffer but have the opportunity of redemption, to experience freedom, to say, hey, you know what, I know you're guilty, but you know what, it's okay. Jesus paid the price for your sins. You are no longer guilty before God. All you have to do is accept Christ as your Savior because he paid the price. But more on that later. After Abraham comes Moses. And the story of Moses is one of the most interesting and fascinating stories of the Old Testament. That it can be mirrored with the gospel of Christ. You see, the the story of Moses is so detailed and I encourage you, go read it. I mean, literally, it goes from Exodus to Deuteronomy. It's about three chapters long, the whole story of Moses. And, And here's what I want you to understand. There's two big important moments that foreshadow Jesus in the, in the covenant of Moses. There's the burning bush, right, where God calls Moses into his uh, missionary work to be his prophet to the Israelites. And then, then there's the story of the Exodus. In Exodus 3.14, Moses is running away from Pharaoh. If you know the story, he, he, he kind of killed somebody and he was like, oh, man, I got to go. I got to go, right? You know, because he can't be there no more. So he's running. He doesn't know what to do. And it, he encountered God in a burning bush. I mean, can you believe that? You're walking on a mountain and out of nowhere, like a tree just like <laughs> in flames. I mean, what do you do? I would, you know, pee my pants, but whatever. That's me. Because I have no idea what I'm going to do. But Moses encountered this bush. And, and here's what I want you to see. Moses... God calls Moses and he says, you're going to be my prophet, you're going to go in front of the Israelites, and you're going to free them, and I'm going to use you. And Moses begins to say, no, no, not me, not me, God. I am not equipped for this. I am not ready for this. And after a lot of arguing, Moses says, you know what, fine, I'll do it. But who shall I say sent me? Right, because he's not going to say, yo, Pharaoh, listen, I'm just going to break it down, right? Ain't nobody got time for this, so I'm going to take the Israelites, all right? Is that cool with you? He couldn't do that. He said, who... Should I tell them, sent me? And God tells him, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. Now right now you're like, what does that mean? See, I am is the name of God. And what that means is God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is God. Literally what that means is saying, hey, tell them I am God and end of story. That's the end of line. Do not question the fact that I am God. I am who I say I am. And that explains the authority and the sovereignty of God. That's what that title means. When God says I am who I am, that means I am God regardless of what they think. Period. Now, John Piper, a pastor in, in, in Minnesota, says this. The title of, of I am means God putting an end 
to the notion or the idea that everybody's view of God is as good as everybody else's. Check this out. I am means God is who he is and nobody's opinion of him makes any difference. I don't care who you think God is. The Bible says who God is and that's who God is. And God tells Moses, tell them that I am who I am. Your, your opinion of God does not change God. Your opinion of God does not make God any different. God is who he is regardless of who you are. But here's the awesome thing about it is that Jesus, years later, years, years later, the apostle, uh, apostle um, John tells us in John 8, 58 that Christ is before all these Jews that do not believe in him. And they say, who are you? Who are you, weird man? Why are you doing all this crazy stuff? And guess what Jesus says? Jesus says, I am. And they say, you are a blasphemer. You are lying. You know what Jesus said at that moment? Jesus says, I am, I am God. And literally what Jesus is saying, I was present when God called Moses to be his prophet. I was present before the time of Abraham. I was present before God created the earth. I was and I am and I will be. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus literally said, I am, just like God said, I am. And here's the thing. Your imperfections, my imperfections, they don't change God. They don't change Christ. That's why the, the gift of salvation, you don't have to do anything for it. You just have to say, you know what, I am imperfect. I'm not, I'm not correct. I'm not the best. But God is who God is. And nothing that I say or do will ever change his goodness, his greatness, his love for me. And that's the awesome thing about this story is that the story of the Bible tells us no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what things, no matter if you've said that you love God but then you've gone back and, and done things that show that you don't love and then you actually love God and then you don't and you're like, ah, maybe not today. No matter all that stuff, no matter what you do, God is God no matter what because what you say or do does not change that. But God can change you. Jesus can change you. The second part of Moses' story is the Exodus story. And I want to take a quick moment to, to show you. I did this kind of chart, that, uh, that, and it's in the back of your notes. If you will look with me. It says, it says this, kind of like a, a comparison between the story of the Exodus with Moses and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So check this out. In the Exodus, people were taken into slavery and were ruled by a guilty and cruel lord, Pharaoh. You know what that represents? That represents Satan and sin. That's Satan and sin trying to corrupt us and trying to make us think that, hey, you know what? You're ruled by your opinions. The culture and, and the world and your friends, they rule you. After that, the people were unable to save themselves. And God intervenes and redeems them through his, through his prophet Moses. Well, guess what? In our story, Jesus' death and resurrection to free us from our sinful slavery. He redeemed us. You know, just like God saved the Israelites from slavery, Jesus has saved us from drugs, from, from alcohol, from sex, from disobedience. He's freed us from all that stuff. So that, that stuff does not fade us anymore. So that, that stuff does not mean anything to us because we are not free, free of condemnation. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's the story right there. So, and then after taking his people out of Egypt, God's work with his people continues. You, that means that today, sanctification, the Holy Spirit is working in the life of the believer. If you're a believer, Jesus is working in you. The Holy Spirit is working in you. You're kind of in this process of, of kind of making sure that you're not perfect, 
but you're pursuing a relationship with Christ. And then last, after God frees the people of Israel, check this out. They resist God and they grumble against Moses and long for the past. And many of us today, even believers, we long for the past. We long for the things that we used to do. Man, you know what? When I didn't know Christ, I was able to do this. But now that I know Christ, I can't do this. And just like the Israelites, we grumble and we complain and we get irritated because we can't do what we want. Do you see how the story of Moses foreshadowed our story and Jesus' story? Jesus was present. And just like God continued with the Israelites as they were going in their journey, Jesus is, continues with you in your journey. All you got to do is accept him as your savior. All you got to do is say, you know what, Jesus, I know you're perfect, wonderful, beautiful, greater than I am. So here I am, take me. That's the story of Moses. And last thing is the story of David. And, 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 the, and the Davidic covenant, there's so much into it that I can't cover. But here's the main thing. Here's what I want you to understand with David. David was a king. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is from the line of David. Jesus was born from the family of David. And here's the cool thing. One of the names of Jesus today is that he's known as the king of kings. And here's, the, here's how David foreshadows Jesus. David was given the task to protect, to give prosperity, and to give hope to his people. Jesus protects us, gives us prosper, prospers us. He gives us prosperity when we obey. And he gives us hope that we don't have to rely on our imperfections that we can rely on his goodness and his love. And here's the thing. Jesus was the final heir of David's royal line. Jesus was the last person to become a king. But not only would he be a king like Saul or a king like Solomon or a king like David or a king like Samuel. He will become the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king that will truly care about us. Not a king that's looking after his own self. Because if you look at the story of David and you look at the, after the story of Solomon and Saul, these are people who God gave the opportunity to become kings. But guess what? They began to look after themselves. Jesus became king so that we can have hope. In trusting in him. That's how David foreshadows the story of, of Jesus. And here's the thing I want you to understand. As, David, as David's final heir, Jesus brings us blessings. Jesus is our ultimate king. And Galatians 3, 24, 25 tells us that Jesus fulfilled the law and became our guardian. Here's the thing. All these kings set up a law. They set up the law of thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that and thou shalt not do this and this is what you should do. They set up this law so that we can, they people in that time could try to live free. But the truth is, is that Jesus came to earth so that he can do away with the law. And we don't have to say, hey, you don't have to follow a set of rules. All you got to do is just follow Jesus. You don't have to accept the law to be saved. All you got to do is you got to accept Jesus Christ to be saved. You don't have to find redemption and hope in the law and what man says. You can find hope and redemption in Jesus Christ. You don't have to find peace and love and an identity. And you don't have to find uh, who you are in the things of this world. You can find who you are and your identity and peace and hope in Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point of tonight. Tonight is a little different. 
I didn't give you a specific passage. I didn't give you a specific story. I didn't give you, we didn't go through the minor prophets. Uh, we didn't do all that because tonight is, is very different. Tonight I want you to understand that Jesus was present throughout the whole Bible. Jesus is real. Jesus came to save us because mankind couldn't save themselves. Jesus was present from the time that Adam and Eve were created. And he's still present. He reigns as the king of kings in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Tells, that's what the Bible tells us. To one day come and establish his kingdom again with those who believe and call him Father and Savior. And that's what Jesus does. And I don't mean to make this very heavy, but I want to tell you the reality of life. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot hope that we can fulfill what they did. We cannot, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot be our own hope. That's why Jesus is here. Jesus came to be your hope, to be my hope, to be all of our hope. The Bible tells us that if you call upon the name of the Lord, then you will be saved. The only way you can go to heaven, the only way that you can be saved, the only way that you can eternally, eternally be secure, that you, that you are, have a place in heaven, is by calling on Jesus as your Savior. And trusting in his hope and his peace and saying, I may be imperfect, I may not know it all, but you, God, you are wonderful. And just like you guided Moses and the Israelites in the Exodus, you will guide me in this journey that we call life. Through high school, through college, through relationships, through marriage, through everything that I do. Guys, I tell you, that's the only way I can continue every day. Because I am imperfect. And I do fail. And I, and I do sin at times. Even now, as after accepting Christ as my Savior. But I know this, is that I don't, I don't have to trust myself to know that I have hope and peace on earth. I trust in Jesus Christ for my hope and my peace. And I know that because I trust in him, because he fulfilled the covenants of the Old Testament, therefore he became the new covenant, the new testament. And that's what tonight is all about. Jesus did what the law could not. In fact, he did what you and I could not do. And here's the main point. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when you read the New Testament, I want you to understand that the work and the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ is closely and specifically related to the stories of the Old Testament. And here's the thing. The man that Abraham talked about, the man that Isaiah wrote in the book of Isaiah, the man that Daniel prophesied in the book of Daniel, the man that David wrote in the book of Psalms, the man that all the minor prophets wrote in the minor prophets, that man, his name is Jesus Christ. There's so many more evidence, so much more evidence that shows that the man talked about in the Old Testament, the Messiah, the prophet, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to be the fulfillment and to tie this whole story into one narrative. You cannot read the New Testament without reading the Old Testament, just like you can read the Old Testament without the New Testament. Because here's the thing. The new covenant, the last covenant, is peace and hope offered through our salvation by God's grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. is grace through faith. Salvation by grace 
through faith alone. And that's the Bible. And that's the Bible series. That's literally it. That's the Bible series. And so tonight, we're going to watch the clip just like we have every day. We're not, we don't have a treat. We're going to go straight into this, the clip. I want you to watch closely. L listen, guys, we're not done. I, there's so much more here tonight, and I don't want you to lose out. I, I don't want you to miss out. This is me personally talking now. I want you to pay close attention at how the first couple of minutes show, you'll see four men talked about in the, in, in, in the first couple of minutes. And guess who those four men are? Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. And guess who's the fifth man that the video talks about? Jesus. Check this video out. And then at the end of tonight, guys, do not leave. Because I believe that at the end of tonight, something special is going to happen. So I'll come back and close this at the end of the Bible, of the clip, and, uh, and we'll move on tonight, okay? Check it out. 